Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OT's Get Paid podcast, season two, episode 18. As you know, in season two, we're focusing on sales and marketing. And I firmly believe that OTs can be the very best at this important skill. Listen up as today we are discussing and determining who is your ideal client. Why am I excited for this topic? Why is there a benefit to this topic? Why is it so important? Listen, here at the OTs Get Paid podcast, we have a wide variety of listeners. And what I mean by that is a wide variety of occupational therapists who are starting businesses, which if you speak OTs Get Paid language, you'll know that's called an underpaid peep. Growing your business, which is a feast and famine business owner, or scaling your business, which is a money to spare CEO. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the quiz. The link is in the show notes. It'll tell you exactly where you are in growing your business and how to focus on what you need to do in order to get paid so that you can get to the next level. Okay, so we have a wide variety of listeners to the OTs Get Paid podcast, and I am cognizant of that. Sometimes some topics are a little bit more relevant to others, depending where you are as a person who is trying to be an OTs Get Paid peep. There is a large segment, as I said, that is in the start phase. And listen, that just follows like every growth curve ever in any business segmentation. There's a lot of people that want to think about starting a business or start a business, less people who are actually lasting and growing it, and far less that are at the top of that pyramid and are scaling their business. The topic of finding out exactly who your ideal customer is, is something that is relevant to everyone that is trying to be a get paid peep, putting more money in your pocket so that you can have more profit, more clarity, and more impact. So you're either starting with a larger target on the wall, that target that is labeled ideal client avatar or ideal client, or you are refining it. You have a smaller target and you are trying to hit right in that middle. Finding out all you can about your ideal client will help you tailor your marketing and sales. It will make sure you are giving the right solution to the right problem, to the right people. You'll sell more and you'll help more people once you have this figured out. And then you can automate and find out exactly what content you should put out in your email list or your social media or podcast or however you attract people to your service. And exactly why, and here's a biggie, when your customer decides to buy from you. Our next guest has taken a route familiar to many of us over the last two years, 
This OT had built a healthy, in-person ergonomics practice, and with a pending move across the country and homeschooling her three young children, she decided to move to an online service-based business where she trains other healthcare entrepreneurs how to build an ergonomics practice. Note, I did not say just OTs. She's leading the way in this. She's an OT who is teaching many healthcare entrepreneurs how to run an erg practice. Yes, OTs, taking the lead. So come and listen. Listen to this dynamic Canadian. You guys know I'm going to highlight <laughs> anybody that's not just in the U.S. because as an international person, I feel that that is very important to rep. And I'm going to triple down if that person is a Canadian. Listen to her. She just said, go. She just decided to do this. She started her in person and then pivoted to online. And she learned a ton along the way that can help you improve your marketing and sales skills. Today, we are talking to Darcy Jeremy. Welcome, Darcy Jeremy. Thanks for having me, Trish. I'm so excited that you're here. So before we pressed record, you and I had some great chit-chats. You are a Canadian, and you have done the the leaving the big city. We're both Toronto girls. Shout out to Toronto, because I just love highlighting Canadians in my hometown on this podcast. And you have gone to Prince Edward Island, which... Please, if you don't know where that is and you're listening to this podcast, open up a map right now because you'll find a tiny, beautiful island in the east coast of Canada. What's the population? Like 10? I think at maybe even 11 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We've grown a you lot. You just had a baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so thrilled that you are here. Darcy, you reached out to me to be a guest on this podcast, and I'm highlighting that because I love that. To me, this is symbolic of what I want everybody listening to do, which is just do something, right? We talked a little bit about before we hit record about, you know, occupational therapists yeah. and just it's not even what do I do or how do I start? Just start. And, you know, yeah. do like Darcy. Yep. There's... It's it's a pleasure that you can uh, connected us with that too because you said get stuff going, get it going, whatever it could be, just take a little step, and that's what I tell my members and my students too. It's just it doesn't have to be perfect. You can you can iterate. My my message to you wasn't perfect at all, but I wanted to be on your podcast, and yes. thank goodness you you saw that you saw it as a a win win situation. So yes. alas, here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Hello, well, Toronto girls, kicking it back. Exactly. If, <laughs> if you're interested, Darcy, I mean, we'll talk about this more. Darcy mm. also has a podcast. I'm sure, you know, reach out to me, if people who are listening, if you want to be on my podcast. And, you know, we'll put links in the show notes of how you can connect with Darcy as well. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there in any way. And also an invite. If you want to be on our podcast, give us a shout. So Darcy, tell everybody how you get paid, which means tell us about yourself and what you do. So... About three years ago, just to track it back, I moved to this beautiful island, Prince Edward Island. And you're right, Trish, just 11 people live here, but it's the most beautiful. If I have to hit up the idea that Anna Green Gables is potentially one of the most sought after fiction writers in Canadian literature, she based many of her legendary stories on the island. It's absolutely beautiful. And I highly suggest everyone come visit. Lucy so, Maud Montgomery, Anne of Green Gables. I'm sure yes. people out there are nodding and listening. Did Absolutely. you watch the series as well as read the Absolutely. books? Absolutely. Read okay. the books, watch the series. Let's. Can, can I take you off course for a second and go down a quick little rabbit hole? Do you mind? Okay. So to those of you who have watched the beloved Anne of Green Gables series from the like 80s, we're dating ourselves. My next door neighbor growing up was the director, Kevin Sullivan. And... Are you ready for this? My very first boyfriend ever was Gilbert Blythe. John I was Brown. going to guess the way yeah. that you were he setting was, up. He was my next Gilbert. door neighbor when I was a teenager. So both my next door neighbors <laughs> were in this. That's Incredible. amazing. I know. Now, Jonathan Crombie is gay. So I was basically <laughs> a 16-year-old foil character for his <laughs> And I should have known when we spent a lot of time on the living room floor listening to a chorus line. <laughs> Broadway. <laughs> You're a part of, not very many Canadians can say they 
they were in a relationship with <laughs> with Gilbert Blythe. With Gil- yeah, how many girls? Um, well, none. That? Yeah. More men. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> nowadays, yeah. So I'm sorry to take you off track, but again, like shout out to the Canadians, shout out to those who are swooning over Gilbert Blythe and Anne of Green Gables. Okay, let's get back to you. So you are in the beautiful island of Prince Edward Island. Yeah, so three years ago, tell mm-hmm. us where you were. So I had started on an ergonomics consulting firm. So this is where I, I consulted to businesses. I had just broke away from corporate with the birth of my first child and I was just killing it. I loved it. We decided to move to Prince Howard Island. I had this online presence and I was ready to, I guess, have that as income because our family, literally, we just jumped from Ontario and we moved to Prince Howard Island, which is really far. And I had this opportunity to start a membership I, before that point, I was selling courses. And now what I do, I do entirely online where I help other healthcare professionals, occupational therapists, yes, get into ergonomics assessments as either a side hustle or a full-time gig, especially now when you're looking at the opportunity to serve our clients with remote assessments and those people who are working from home. It's a great opportunity. So I jumped into that right as I guess the pandemic started and I've been growing my membership, serving occupational therapists ever since and other healthcare professionals as well. So did you have a bricks and mortar ever or like a car and mortar? Like, did you ever do erg assessments face-to-face with clients? I sure did. For how many years? Outside of a corporate career, I was, that's how I got started. But the nice thing, my ad, just jumping about this brick and mortar, mortar idea is that we don't need a lot to get started doing ergonomics assessments. You just Mm -hmm. literally, like you said, you just need a car. If you're going to be doing industrial ergonomics assessments, you need a force transducer, but it's just going out there with a piece of paper, just like occupational therapy and getting it started, getting it going. That seems to be the underlying theme of this, isn't it? Just getting going. Like that too. You know, I always ask our listeners, or pardon me, the people I'm interviewing, like there's Terry O'Reilly, who's another Canadian. I don't know if you've heard his podcast. He's advertising and marketing guru on CBC Radio. Mm -hmm. And he has a number of books and I love his stuff. And he has this thing called the fist on the table moment where it's like every entrepreneur has it where, oh, there's got to be a better way. So what was your there's got to be a better way when you decided to move from your bricks and mortar to your online membership? Was it merely because you were moving provinces or was there something other than that? Well, to be honest, it was that I had too much on my plate. I needed to make it as simple as possible. I I was doing all the things, consulting, selling, coaching, selling courses. And if you do a lot of things at the same time, nothing gets done very well. So I had to make that scary decision. It was very scary. I felt that I was saying no to so much and say, I'm just doing the membership. I'm only going to promote the membership and that's all I'm going to be doing with my time. Oh, you know, you, maybe it's because I'm hearing it with my 2022 ears, but I'm becoming so much more familiar with the growth Mm -hmm. scales in businesses. And Mm -hmm. part of what holds people back from making money, I'm the OTs get paid person, is doing too much. Like you'd think it's the opposite. And it's, I'm scared too. Like I know how I want to simplify and I have clarity and I have a strategic plan and it's even scary for me. Like, tell me more about that. Did you just know inherently that that was the right business decision and then you just did it? You know, I wish, I wish <laughs> Trish, that I was able to come up with this myself. It was an element of pure frustration. And we were talking before this podcast about a group of colleagues that I've known for about two and a half years. It's called a mastermind. And I came to them and I said, I just can't take it anymore. I'm burned out. Nothing's going well. I don't know what to do. And they said, Darcy, why don't you just like put it together? Put it. So I had this board of directors, let's say of my company, these pals that I've had for two years. And they said, why don't you just sell it at once and launch it four times a year? And I said, you know what? Why not? Yeah. Why not? So, you know, I, I often find that part of our profession of being very client-centered and in a way being a jack-of-all-trades is a hindrance in business. And I will say it out loud, being women. And I will say it out loud, those of us that are in relationships or pet parents or, you know, parent parents, like, 
it is, we are so used to just throwing ourselves at the problem. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you're highlighting this because it's beyond burnout. It's like Mm -hmm. you don't have to throw yourself at the problem. This is what I talk about in my line of work. I talk about that hustle to mm-hmm. strategy and you are literally yes. like in the juicy spot, well, past the juicy spot of that. And that's what I want people to hear. It's not that Darcy was like such a, uh, you know, strategic decision maker or that, you know, you realize that, and you, you took a really bold move that's not that common in our profession. We talk about it, but then we don't do much about it, which is to say, no, no, I'm not going to mm-hmm. continue to throw myself on the altar of too much to do. And what I'm hearing is it helped your business grow. Is that correct? It did. And it also saved my peace of mind because if you're doing all things, I think I calculated my hourly rate was like five or $10 an hour because I was doing all the things and not being as execution minded as possible with the one thing that you're doing. I found led that so much waste of time and just switching the context of doing an ergonomic report. And that takes, it's draining just any report because it takes research and the time to get deep into that. And then switching to do something else led to waste of time. And I would have to say, even though it's hard to say that, like, obviously that's a frustration, but I, not as effective at the end of the day. That's what it was. Not as effective as well. And it's it's so hard to take that step back and say, is it is it me? Am I the person that's not doing it right? Or is it my audience who's just not getting it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so glad to hear you talk about that context switching. I think it's so key. Let's, you know, kind of jump into the heart of what we wanted to talk about today and focus mm-hmm. on because you mentioned an audience. And you have a you know, specialty, particular interest. This is the sales and marketing season, season two. You have a particular interest in something called an ideal client avatar. And we have a range of people that listen to OTs get paid. Some people are like pre-start mode. Some people are growing. Some people are scaling. But the ideal client avatar is relevant to every single person that's listening. So to those, why don't you tell people what that is and then tell people why it's made such a difference for your business? Okay. I love talking about this ideal client avatar and the amount of time that you as a business owner put into that is so related to how well your offers do. So when you have an offer and you're sending out an email or talking to a person over the phone or a Zoom call, how you position that offer in such a way that it gets their attention and all of the pre-work that you've done before that moment in time when you're making the offer. That all comes together to your ideal client avatar. Because if we're not being as thorough as possible with this, it basically means that they don't know you exist. Even though you could be the best thing in the whole world since sliced bread, they don't know that you exist. <laughs> and you're, you could be talking to everybody and not really talking to the people who really need your help. Mm-hmm. So tell me, like, for those that don't even know what an ideal client avatar is, give it to us in basics before we jump into more. Okay. So an ideal client avatar is like this meta representation of the type of person that you want to work with. It's connected with the services that you offer. And these are the people that when you think of the types of services you offer, you you probably come up with one type of person in your head. And it's that specific person. So is it Someone for me, my ideal client is when I was doing ergonomics assessments, corporate. Because if I could get into corporate, that was a lot of ergonomics assessments that I could do with just one decision maker. But maybe your ideal client are, if you're working with children, that would likely be their parents because they're the decision maker. And that connects you with the types of research that you need to be doing so that when you're putting out content or talking about how you serve them in the offers that you make, that it connects with their needs, wants, and desires. And how you do that is research. Tell me more about that. How do you do this research? Okay. Well, one of the big things that I really recommend doing is figuring out who they are. Get some people. If you can get on a phone call with someone, that's amazing. If you can get on a phone call between five and 10 people, that's gold star levels. 
When I first started, I was hanging out in the forums. You know, it's a really great place to research Google forums, if that still exists, or more specifically, Facebook groups. And you could probably do a little bit of detective work. And we all know that groups exist for everything on Facebook. Join the group, do a couple of keyword search and just see what their struggles and pain points and hopes and dreams and values are. If you want to do the detective approach, looking at how people are talking about the problem, because if you go there with a notepad and paper, you're going to be just jotting things away, making all these spreadsheets and Word documents, because that gets us to this idea of copywriting. And copywriting is literally you're copying the writing and the way that they talk about the program. And that gives you juice for all of your content that you can possibly think of. So when I think of folks talking about social media and getting their business out there and spending all the time in the entire world talking about why they're so awesome and what they do, if they haven't had a really good foundation in their ideal client avatar, and you can do this too, you can check how people's content is going on social media. And I do this specifically with ergonomics consultants to prove a theory here. Because that world is so noisy, when we are out there talking about what we do on Instagram, and you search people, let's say ergonomics next to that example, and you see who engages with that post, and this is like a real world example we all can do. With ergonomics consultants, the majority of people who like, engage, comment are other ergonomics consultants. And I wonder if the same issue would be relevant for occupational therapists doing more of the typical, I know ergonomics falls within that, but with other streams of occupational therapy as well. So are you saying that you come to find your ideal client like, when do you come in with your own idea of who you want to serve versus looking at the space and seeing what people need? Hmm. Your own idea is almost like a hypothesis. So in your head, it could be like, in my head, it'd be, if I put this type of content out there, it should make contact and get this person to opt into my email list. So if we're testing that idea of this type of content. Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley. As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great that connecting with that type of person and it's not working, that might mean that we have to look at other avenues. And it could be that we could go after that specific type of person. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sounds weird to go after that type of person, mm-hmm. but that would be... You're allowed to use sales language here. We're good. Yeah, okay. We can embrace business terms. We don't have to be like perfect occupational therapists here. Let's go after talk, them. Get the we lead. We talk in biz terms. It's all good. Well, yep. it's like, it's it's a numbers game, right? And that's one of the biggest things when was talking about the theory of what we do versus the practical aspect. It's very much a numbers game and getting familiar with, hey, even getting to our ideal client avatars and finding out who those people are. It's going after that person who's, and human resources, and you know it makes sense, but something's not connecting and making them an offer. So an offer which could be like, hey, if if we can work together, I'm going to give you this thing for free or I'm going to discount my services because I value so much that research. And then getting it from that person and 
seeing what was wrong with the way you were presenting your services in such a way that it would connect with them. Okay. And people who miss this, they fall down the route of lackluster results, frustration, stress, and overwhelm. So, I mean, this is what fascinates me about business. And I always talk about pulling the right levers. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by the overwhelm. And how do you know what decision to make that makes the biggest change, right? So, you are of the mindset that the more that you can focus in on Tell me if I have this right. If you're getting the right content in front of your ideal client and you're putting the right offers in front of your ideal client, then you you will have more success. Mm-hmm. As opposed to it might not be your offer that's the problem. It might not be your content that's the problem. It's just that it's not getting in front of the right person. Is that what I'm hearing? It's very much so. And a really good example of this is back to that HR example. Yeah. If you know for a fact that the only way that that person is going to consume information, if it's from their association, and that's the only way they consume information, then yeah, there's no way that type of person is going to be looking at you as a trusted resource if the only way that they consume information is in related to their association or if they're only on LinkedIn and they don't mix business and pleasure on Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's very much, that's just a really good example of how that is related, but at the same time, that investing that time and how you learn about the needs, wants, objections, limiting beliefs about what you do, their values, their problems, and really just literally you would copy it down. When I do this with my ideal clients, what I would do is I would record it and then I would put it through otter.io, which is a free source where you can get the words that translates the audio to a Word document. Yeah, transcription. Yep. Yeah. And then you can put that in a Word document and have that and have mm-hmm. that for all your copy. And that really helps your offer too. So and it's not that your services are not what the client needs because mm-hmm. we all know everybody in the world needs what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's how we describe it. Mm-hmm. And that's where offers can fall off the table. Got it. So how detailed, I mean, and that's just active listening and mirroring that we do every day as therapists anyways, right? Like the most, I was in peds and the most engaged parents I'd ever have were, you know, when I would reflect their issues back to them using their own language. Like that's good, you know, OT skills 101, which I think is why OTs should be some of the very best at sales and marketing. Tell me how specific you get into that ideal client avatar. You can get as specific as you want. There's some people that go full side of the spectrum and they give their ideal client avatar name. Oh, yeah. I did, that at, I did that at my bricks and mortar clinic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you find it worked for you, Trish? You know, thank you for asking. I thought it worked really, really, really well because I was constantly refining it. Yeah. And I found that it made me unapologetic. For example, we were private pay. So it made me really unapologetic that, you know, my ideal client was Jennifer and she wore Lululemon. And I know there's plenty of OTs out there that would listen to me right now and say like, oh, well, you're doing disservice to all the people that can't afford it. Because, you know, we had a relatively higher end clientele and I made sure that people were served in other ways. We had, you know, scholarship foundation. We did a summer camp that was, you know, very, very, very reasonably priced, et cetera, et cetera. But I found that the more specific I got, like, did Jennifer have a degree? And, you know, how many degrees did she have? And was she working part-time? And how many kids did she have? Et cetera, et cetera. That it just kind of changed a lot in terms of me being able to explain to our staff, because again, like it's, it's niching down, it's getting more specific. And I had quite a number of people on my staff that looked at me like I was some kind of capitalist money baron. Like, you know, how dare you go after Jennifer and Lululemon, right? <laughs> with with a Starbucks in her hand when there's so many other people that are needy. And I was like, yeah, everyone needs but, our help. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. this is what we do best because we have yeah. this incredible facility that costs tons and tons of rent. So we clearly have to. And then this is the other way we're giving back. But the more, yeah, for my peace of mind, it really helped me be clear (laughs) from this, like, you know, we cost a lot and why we cost a lot and who we were serving and how we were going to 
our other thing was when people called and they couldn't afford us, we, I trained my staff to be really clear on how they could get like services that were less costly or free services, right? So we had a blog and we had like, as I said, it wasn't necessarily us. We would refer to people in their neighborhood or whatever. So again, from a business perspective, I found that, you know what it did? It also allowed me to look for patterns. Hmm. And I think when you can see patterns, which takes time, so that's why people, you know, don't expect to be like making 350 grand in your first year because you do need to look for those patterns and you're not necessarily going to knock the cover off the ball with your very first client avatar and your very first offer. And just continuing to be curious and exploring who's showing up, who's buying, who's engaging with your content, like you said, and why. And then does that fit what I feel like my zone of genius is? That's really interesting. And I'm so glad that you had so so much success with that because I wanted to do that. I wanted to get as specific as possible and I did. Mm -hmm. But I found that it was when I was first starting my mm -hmm. online world, I got lost in the details mm -hmm. and I, I made this kind of like dream family situation with this person that was doing all these things and I know that she existed, but I never was able to connect with her on a business perspective. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's so much value in what you're saying, mm -hmm. especially when you want to run Facebook ads, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> because then you can say, oh, I want to work with people with this salary mm -hmm. in this type of area with this mm -hmm. amount of kids. Mm -hmm. What I do, I'm, I'm in the middle, I think. So I'm not, I don't have super specific and I'm not mm -hmm. super vague. Mm -hmm. I have just a general idea. So my ideal client right now would be somebody who is frustrated with, I guess, the revenue in their business and they're looking to start ergonomics assessments as a side hustle, who has all the experience but just needs to get that marketing and sales down. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And by the yeah. way, I'm not as specific right now in this yeah. company that I've oh. started the last couple of years because I think I've been in business long enough that I have actually a really good sixth sense of who my client is. And I could probably say it out loud, but I don't have to write it down and visualize mm -hmm. it in that same way anymore. Plus, the OT world is smaller. Like we had a lot of people that would call us that weren't right for us. And if you're an OT and you're building a business, OTs get paid. We can help. Right. So <laughs> it was different when it was like, so many people calling us, right? About mm -hmm. so many different client issues and kid issues. So, okay, let's, you know, one thing that I want to dive a little deeper into Darcy is you've talked about content and kind of that attraction piece of marketing. And then you've also talked about getting people and giving them an offer and selling them what you do, either your service or product. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk about some of the techniques that you've used that encourages your leads or your prospects or whatever word you want to use to move forward. I would love to talk about all of this. Great. What I did online was very different from what I did offline. Yeah, I'm um, glad you're making that distinction because it is. Yep, great. It's so different. So we could start first with offline, how I built my ergonomics consulting business. And this is when we were talking bricks and motor. When I started this, I dreaded the idea of cold calling businesses. I tried it. It was successful. I would be stuck at the administrator or the secretary, and I couldn't get to that decision maker until I realized that if dentists, and I'll tell you how this will work out, if dentists can do really well with a value ladder, why can't I also do it? So what a value ladder is, and I brought up the idea of dentists because dentists, they do this so well. And if you've ever driven by a dentist clinic, you'll probably know that they have this big banner that says free teeth cleaning for new patients or new clients or whatever. And that works because people come in for the free offer, that dentist and their team, they do amazing work. And when that person is sitting in that chair super thrilled, super pleased that they just got something amazing for free, that dentist then says, hey, when other issues come up for you, we have all these services we would love for your business. And if you've ever had a really bad dentist experience, 
having that great experience and knowing that that dentist that just did this great service for you can do other services, well, that's a huge opportunity for both of you. And I came across this idea too because I realized you could even either pay for ads to perhaps get in front of your ideal clients, or you can just go out there and make them an offer and you sweat equity. So you're you're out there, not paying for anything. I think it's, in my experience, been better results to get those people that you really want to work with. That's why doing your ideal client avatar is so huge. And you also want to be in a position of leverage. So it might be if you're looking for specific types of the population, you target associations or influencers or something like that and offer them something for free and uh, super please them. So this is what I did with my company. I targeted people who were human resources, decision makers, and like small to medium companies because that would be the best leverage activity for me. And I would go in there and I would do a training. And I wowed them with this training. I didn't make any ass. However, when I went to that training, I would walk through and I would see their setup. And then after, I would talk to that decision maker and talk about the other services that I would offer. Because as ergonomics consultants, human resources think that if I get ergonomics assessments, everybody in the whole office is going to want an ergonomics assessment. Then they're all going to want the most expensive chair and the most expensive sit-stand desk. And we can't afford that because that's like thousands and thousands of dollars. However, if I go in and do the training, talk about all these other services that are only for people that really need your help. And then you can do training for the other people and talk about all these options that can serve them. Then when there was actually a problem later, they called me because they knew that I existed. I I said that I'm a trusted resource, no like and trust. I'm not going to screw them over with making crappy recommendations. Mm -hmm. They could trust me. And that's why that works so well. And that's how I built my business, especially when you build on like referrals and stuff like that. So that comes down to the point of me really understanding what that client wanted for free, what would get them to bring me into their world and how to connect that with other services that I offered. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that you said that I want to make sure people hear is that you are providing really amazing services that they need. This is not just going out and hitting people over the head with a rolling pin and saying, okay, this is free and now buy this, this, and this. Because I love the way that you're talking from a very strategic business point of view. I know some people that are listening to this, it's going to sit in an odd way with them because we still haven't completely broken ourselves of the habit of seeing us us as just therapists that run businesses as opposed to business owners or CEOs. So, At the heart of all this, what I want you to hear that Darcy is saying is everything she's doing provides amazing value to the customer. And while it seems strategic, strategy doesn't mean sleazy, right? It means that you're – and I see you nodding vigorously. Like you are providing things in a kind of low, threatening, like known trust. Here's what you need. Here's what you don't need. Mm -hmm. And that – allows the decision maker, the buyer to think, okay, well, Darcy's going to give me the real, real. And whether you quote unquote, make that sale at the walkthrough or the free presentation Mm -hmm. where it happens later, that is really the premise of giving and then, you know, having also paid solutions. Does, Does that resonate with you? Have I said that correctly? That resonates with me. And what has come up for me when you said that it's having the system in place Mm. that you can offer this and get it out to people so they know that you exist combined with a hell of a lot of patience Mm -hmm. because you don't know if they're going to take you up and not offer then, you know, it's just going to be a matter of time. But if we're desperate serving our clients, then they can feel that. And Mm -hmm. for many people, it's on a very deep level. And they might not say, they might say that I I like you, but there's just something about you that I didn't want to bring Mm -hmm. you back in and do work with you. Mm -hmm. Or it's not the right time. In fact, if I'll interject with a personal story. Yesterday, I signed up with a co-working space because with lockdowns and minus 35 degree weather and my kids at home, like I actually, from a mental health perspective, need to actually get out of my house. (laughs) So I six months ago, went to a co-working space to take a look. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Part of it was money. Part of it was like, why do I need to spend $300 a month when I have a perfectly amazing home office? 
yeah, there were a few other things. Like I didn't love the idea of paying for parking or whatnot. But I went yesterday to a new outpost and signed on the dotted line. So there's a few different outposts in the city of Calgary under this one banner. It's called Work Nicer, by the way, just to give them some free advertising. And the guy who took me on the tour in the summer was at this outpost I was at with a different, and I kind of was like, oh no, like, oh no, he's going to think that I'm like cheating or did it. And I was like, wait a minute. First of all, you didn't do anything wrong. You took a tour and we actually had, he came over to me. He's like, hey, Trish, good to see you. I'm so glad to see you here with Mackenzie at this different outpost. And I said to him, you still got the sale. It was just six months later. Like, you know, you didn't do anything wrong because he was asking Mm -hmm. me for feedback. And I said, I just wasn't ready to buy for whatever reason at that time. Now, I did tell him he could have engaged in more back and forth about my objections, which he didn't at all. Mm. I was like, dude, why not like an email or a phone call or something? Like, I was a very, very warm lead. Like, we could have had a convo about it. But at any rate, I said, like, you kind of brought me into the door and the second guy kind of like opened the door and had me buy. So it was a six-month sale for them. I wasn't a Mm -hmm. lost sale. I was somebody who, when the pressure got <laughs> more weather and more lockdowns here in Alberta and more COVID and more like, I got to get away from like, you know, this house. That's when I was in more of a decision-making mode. And then they now have more feedback for another reason why somebody's going to buy. Amazing. Right? And so That's we actually made a list. I was like, hey, like maybe it's people in the new year. Maybe it's now it's going on your bajillion of this in Canada. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can get into corporate. Like I wonder if companies are now going to fund people to go to co-working spaces as opposed to paying for their Wi-Fi or paying for their printer, like all these things. But, you know, I wasn't a lost lead. I was Mm -hmm. just, and they were patient and it paid off for them. So that's an example of exactly what you were discussing. That's the example. That's great. And I think of, of the ergonomics world, that can just be flipped with a worker's compensation issue. Because when mm-hmm. workers' compensation happens, we know the stats, it's going to happen. But when it happens, they're going to need you as an ergonomic specialist to come mm-hmm. in and get it out. And mm-hmm. last, the worst case scenario would it be that it goes to somebody that is not as experienced or skilled mm-hmm. as you. So mm-hmm. that's emphasis to get out there and let people know that you exist because mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time. Well, and you're also continually getting information about when your ideal client is going to be buying and why they're buying, right? That's mm-hmm. another thing. Um, yes. So we have talked about, you know, the evolution of your company. We have talked about ideal client avatars. We've talked about the journey of your client. And I want to ask another question before we do our rapid fire questions at the end. And this is a little bit more about the income and impact goals that you have for your company in 2022. We're recording this at the beginning of January. I think it's going to come out in February. But, you know, let's take advantage of this new year and talk about it any way you want, whether it's dollars or whether it's percentage. What are some of the income and impact goals you have for your company for this year? My biggest income goal for this year in terms of people serving, because what I've noticed is that when I do launches, I didn't have a chance to really talk about the types of online launches. So specifically, I finally nailed down on a launch type and I'm doing a three live video launch. I might record it in the future, but that seems to work. And I finally picked and I went forward with that. So now it really feels like I am streamlining that process. So now it switches to how can I get as much as a reach as possible for my services. Mm -hmm. So right now there's about 45 people who are in my membership and that equates to anywhere between three to five G's a month. What I would love to do is double it. So we're looking at about eight to 10 G's a month would be ideal. And that would mean about a hundred people that I would be serving in the membership, which when you think about it, the amount of people that need ergonomic services in their companies, that now is the time <laughs> to move forward with that for many organizations. They need people to do that. So I love how you have used a few different metrics. It's not just dollars. It's also mm-hmm. people served. And because you know what your core offer is, you can do that math. As opposed to if you have a million different offers, you're mm-hmm. like, I need two people to buy this one and three people to do this and four clients to come to this and 10 clients to, you know, do the, f- I always talk in peds, do the feeding program and, you know, then 
20 people to come to summer camp. Like, that's not wrong. But what I love yeah. Darcy's saying is she's, you know, one product, one offer, easily measurable. And for those of you who don't speak online world, there's launches. So as a bricks and mortar person, we never had launches. We were constantly selling, right? But, you know, how you decide to enroll people in your online program is called, and, you know, actually doing the selling is called a launch and then how to do a launch. Darcy was getting really specific about how she's decided to go about and yes. do that. And that's like, that's from James Wedmore, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. We were talking earlier that both Darcy and I have purchased James Wedmore's BBD. And if you are in the online business, highly recommend, also highly recommend talking to Melissa LaPointe, who is doing a lot in the online space as well. And I think Reina Oliveira has started to move into that space. So yes, she is. We are a place of abundance here. We will constantly refer to others to um, build their OT businesses as well. Okay, thanks for that. So we are going to move into some rapid fire questions at the end, and then we'll sum up by how people can follow you, get in touch with you to learn more about what you do. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, awesome. So question number one, what is your biggest personal money splurge? Oh my gosh, personal money splurge. Investing in programs, that's the biggest personal money. Yeah, it's anywhere between four to 10 Gs every time you invest in a program. Yeah. Really? Because I would say that's a business splurge and a personal splurge because I'm a nerd for any kind of like learning. And you consider that a personal splurge. Like it's not shoes. It's not gardening. It's- yeah. At first it was a personal splurge when I was yeah. first starting. And that was the most yeah. difficult because yes. you haven't brought any money yeah, no in to pay yeah. for it because then it's just a business expense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is there anything else that's not kind of business related that's like in a self-care productivity or leisure space that you spend your money on? That's a really, I have three young children. So, <laughs> so I, <it's> them. <laughs> I've been, yeah, we bought these cool little, they don't know, they dirt bikes and they're electric. So we bought oh, them for awesome. that for Christmas. But I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. So it's your children. I mean, children. My daughter was saying to me the other day, well, can we afford that? I can't remember what she was talking about. She's 17 and a half. And I was like, oh, it's for you guys. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 I think it might have been, oh, I know. We canceled. We were going to take a little ski trip to the mountains. We live like right near the mountains. And we canceled it because of COVID and like you know, everything that's happening around here right now. And I think I was saying, hey, maybe we could like take that money and go somewhere warm, ideally in the spring. And my daughter was like, well, is that, can we afford that? And I was like, well, it's not me going on a holiday. <laughs> it's like <laughs> taking you two, which is still a mindset shift I'd like to make. Like, why don't I just pay for myself to go on a holiday? But that's another podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to ask you this question, even though you may have already answered it. Other than your products and your the coaching and stuff and the courses that you buy for yourself. What's another business-related splurge that you have? Another business-related splurge. I love getting tech. Um, Whenever there's an opportunity that I can do a business-related splurge that comes out of the revenue source and not my personal income, but that actually helps me run my life. I love that. That is the most What's the latest one that you bought? What's like your latest fun thing? Well, the latest fun tech was... Ensuring that we we lose power a lot in P- Prince Edward Island, so getting solars, solar panels, for that is so, we, so cool, so we can be connected at all times, and that was a big splurge. But no kidding, it was wonderful. It's exactly what we needed. Oh, I love it, and I love you consider mm-hmm. that as business related. Oh, love. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Two more. Where number three? Where do you have paid and unpaid help in your life and in your business? That's a great question. Paid help from my business is my virtual assistant. He's full-time. He's amazing. He allows me to be on social media and do all the things. And unpaid help will be uh, student interns. Great. Mm-hmm. Great, great. How do you find those people? Because I know that's what people are thinking right now. How did you find your VA and how do you find your student interns? So student interns is going through ergonomics programs at universities. Uh, many of them will have internships available because they need their kids, their students, I should say, to have oh, real world experience. Too, old now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's what I've done for that. And for VAs, I've had a lot of different ways to how I got this started, but I finally ended up through trial and error going through onlinejobs.ph and getting mm-hmm. someone from the Philippines to help. And I've had him for right. over a year now. Oh, and wonderful. it's been a wonderful relationship for both of us. He's very happy oh. and I'm very happy. Yeah. I'm so glad, Darcy. That's perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last question before we wrap up. Number four, if I could wave 
my magic money wand and put seven figures into your business right now, what would you spend it on? What would I spend it on? I would get a Bronco, but a Bronco from like the 70s that is souped up. Mm -hmm. Nice. Is that like a dream car? I love the look of that. Yes. So Absolutely. Quick, practical on the island. I mean, it's almost like you have to have it, right? I have to have it. Yeah. <laughs> Very practical. T- I always teach my children the difference between want and need. They're like, I need this. I'm like, you want this. I'm trying to give you the need part here for yourself. Darcy. Done. <laughs> okay. What color? I I like to have like a, a rustic green. Ooh, that's a good one. I love this answer. You're the first person that's ever answered that um, that way. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the end of our rapid fire questions. We've come to the end of the podcast. Darcy, this is an opportunity for you to share with our audience how they can find you and what you have happening right now in 2022. All right. Well, I invite you to listen to my podcast. It's the business of ergonomics podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we should be everywhere in the world. My website is ergonomicshelp.com. And you can check me out there. I'm also on LinkedIn, search my name. And on Instagram, Darcy underscore ergonomics. You can check that out as well. And in March, 2022, I am launching the Accelerate program. If you're interested in adding ergonomics to what you're doing as a side hustle or full-time and you're looking to get things done, well, Look no further than that because I give you all the, like the time-saving tools and templates so you can just focus on execution. Like I've taken all the hard work out of there. I was there. just going to use that expression because you know, it's really true. You've taken all the hard work. You figured out how to do it and now you're teaching others. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Darcy, it's been a treat. Thank you so much. It's been a treat. Thank you very much. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. <laughs>